Welcome to the Hope Sports Podcast, where we believe sport can give you the freedom to be your best. All too often, the fear of failure takes the fun out of the game, and we're here to help you discover real joy and freedom to compete your best. I'm your host, Olympic gold medalist, Laura Wilkinson, and I'm really excited about this show this week as we are joined by professional soccer player, Arna Friedrich. Arna grew up in Germany, and like so many his age, he played soccer every moment of every day. But what started as fun grew into passion, and with the skill set to match, he landed a spot on the national team. Arna talks about what it's like to play in front of literally millions of fans, how it feels to make a mistake with the whole world watching, and how an injury left him in need of a new purpose in life. This conversation is so rich. I know you're going to enjoy it. So let's dive on in. Arna Friedrich, we are so excited that you are on the Hope Sports Podcast with us today. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. And you're coming all the way from Berlin today. Yes, uh, it is 4 p.m. Uh, in Berlin. Um, sometimes I'm here. Um, obviously, um, it's my it's my hometown. I, I live here most of the year, but uh, I also spend uh, time in, in Los Angeles. But right now I'm here in Berlin. Ah, very cool. Well, for those that aren't as familiar with you, I would love it if you could tell us how you got started in sports and where that just kind of took you throughout your career. Yeah, okay. I started to play soccer when I was five years old, as it's uh, kind of popular and, and regular and normal here in Germany. Um, I became a, a pro soccer player when, when I turned 21. So these days it's kind of like uh, late. Uh, but when back then, when I, when I started to play, um, I was pretty young actually, so 21 years old. Um, I played uh, here in Germany on um, a prof- professional basis for around um, 10 years. Uh, I played uh, for my country as well. I participated in two World Cups, two European Championships. And um, in the end of my career, or almost uh, before I retired, I, I also played one year in MLS uh, in America. I played for Chicago Fire, which was amazing. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of, uh, of your country, actually. I really like it. <laughs> and, I do uh, too. It, was, it was my big wish to, uh, to play and to live in America. So that's the reason why I, why I went over. Yeah, that's basically like pretty, pretty, uh, pretty short, like my career in, in Germany and America. Well, I love it. Well, what made you really fall in love with your sport? I mean, because you started it so young and, and you've done it for such a long time. Like what really made you kind of fall in love with it? How did you know that was it was for you? It is just joy. So when you start off uh, at that age, when you, when, you, when you turn five or something like that, you don't really think about, okay, maybe one day I become a professional player. I, I can even make money with that. It is just like the pure joy of, of playing soccer. And um, here in Germany, almost every kid plays soccer. And um, I don't know how it is in America, but here it's all about soccer. And so I was one of many, many young kids that just like played actually like the whole day. So even, even uh, during school time, so every break, I, I, I went outside and played with my, with my buddies. And uh, we really tried to to improve we try to imitate like our role models and just like to do the same tricks and it was so amazing it was just like pure joy without thinking about what could happen uh, in the future well so i'm imagining as you transition from amateur to professional i mean what was that transition like because it was it still fun and full of joy for you or did your mindset kind of change around what you were doing then I think a little little piece of pressure set in too. So I, I have to, to admit, so when I turned 16, 
I was until then I was still the the shortest player on my team. So I I, I really had good talent, but I didn't really have the physical uh, you know uh, background to really make it all the way up. So I had good good people, good coaches that always supported me and uh, you know um, dragged me you know throughout the time to make it all the way up. And I was dependent on good people because um, as I mentioned, um, you know physically having not the same conditions than, than other players in my age group. Uh, it was definitely not an advantage. But um, when I turned 16, I, I grew up uh, very fast. And uh, all of a sudden, I had an advantage uh, compared to the other guys. And uh, all of a sudden, I thought, okay, maybe there is a chance to, to maybe become a professional at one point. And um, it was just like also, I always wanted to become a pro player uh, by that age, and uh, but I also knew uh, I was humble enough to say, okay, there are just a few or a handful of players, especially in my city, uh, who would make it. And um, I didn't think about pressure at that time, um, but when I had my first game here in Berlin, uh, Berlin the capital here, it was my, my first club, Hertha Berlin. Um, also, I thought about the pressure that, that has to come with uh, obviously if you play in front of I don't know 50 60,000 uh, people um, it's definitely a, a difference but I still had the joy to play and um, but I also thought about okay what could happen if I, if I make a mistake so it's, it was a little mixed feeling but the joy was definitely uh, still there. Oh that's that's very cool um, so what okay what was it like to play professionally for a team, but then you're also playing sometimes for Team Germany at like the European Championships and the World Cup. Like, what's that different dynamic? Because are you? It's totally different players, right? How, yeah, how does it, that? How does that work? It is totally different players. So obviously, when you play for your country, um, there's only around about 23 spots on your roster. So you really have to have to be one of the play, the best players in Germany. Obviously, you you get picked by the by the Bundestrainer, it's the head coach here. And um, yeah, and you play with different players from different cities. So most of, of, the, of my teammates came from Bayern Munich. It was supposed to be the best team uh, in the Bundesliga. Also both the Dortmund, Bayer Leverkusen. And um, yeah, it's basically a bunch of, you know, players from different uh, teams come together to play and represent your country. Um, the biggest difference, um, I would say, is um, there's even more pressure because more, more people watch uh, the games, especially when, when you play on the big stage like the World Cup or European Championship. Mm-hmm. Um, so my first World Cup in 2006, it was the home open against Costa Rica. Around 1 billion people watch the game. So you can imagine it's a little bit of pressure. 1 billion? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, soccer is actually... <laughs> or football, as we would call it here, um, is one of the biggest sports in the world. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people watching the game. And um, if you think about that, then it really feels like pressure. Yeah, so how do you not think about that? <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is always experiences in life. So um, the fear sets in when, when you face uh, the unknown. So um, I, I wasn't really afraid um, you know, before I made my first mistake. So I, I kind of, uh, it was cold turkey. So my first, uh, my first game, uh, World Cup game against Costa Rica was, wasn't really my best. And uh, we won four to two. And um, both goals happened because of a mistake of, of mine. You know, it was like, 
I was too deep in the, you know, as a, as a, I was a center back or like a right back at this time. And uh, anyways, I don't, I don't want to, to, uh, to talk about uh, how this happened, but in the end it was like kind of my mistake and everybody blamed me. Oh, and you man. can imagine, um, especially, you know, at a, at a home opener, it's, it's horrible. You know, the whole media writes you down and uh, question if you're, if you deserve to be on the, on the roster and, that was really not fun. And uh, so because we spoke earlier about the joy of the game, I didn't really enjoy that. As a German national player, everybody recognizes you. Um, everybody talks about you if you play good or if you play bad. So it was really, really tough time. But I had a very good friend. Um, his name is Dr. John Ashley Nall. Um, he's, he's also speaking at, at the Hope Sports uh, once in a while, he's he's a very dear friend of mine and also my mentor, and he really helped me uh, to deal with that. That's so good. Besides my friends as well and my family, they they were obviously very helpful too. But um, it was just a mixture of good people in my life, um, good relationships that I had um, that I always uh, could count on. Uh, that's so important. So important. Well, what since you were playing on a team with people you may not have trained with a lot before, like was there trust and leadership and community within your team as well or were they kind of like yeah that was your mistake and and on you too like how how was that dynamic that was actually one of the reasons why this happened because um you know in, in a good team so we were kind of mixed up and uh, a new could a new coach took over uh you know his name is Jürgen Klinsmann he also used to coach the American national team and um so we were like young, young players mixed up and uh, new coaches, new, new stuff around the team and everything was kind of not really, you know, common sense. So we had to get to know each other. And especially when you play in the back four and, the, you know, in the, as, as a defender, you really need to know what, what your next is going to do. So, you know, there's the rule of playing offside and both goals happen because of, you know, the, the, the offside thing. So in the end, I... I didn't play offside and my, my other friends or my other players played offside. So that was the reason it was just like misunderstanding, um, miscommunication. And, um, but in the end, nobody blamed, uh, anybody, nobody blamed me. So, and it wasn't really my mistake at all because the coach said, okay, we're not playing offside. So, uh, but in the end it doesn't matter. So it's just like the perception of, of the media and, uh, also the fans. And it, it didn't look good actually, because I was like, five or ten yards behind the line but uh it doesn't matter if it's my mistake or not but nobody blamed me and that was a good thing and it helped a lot too but still there was this big cut and everybody was talking about me but the good thing in soccer is the next game comes very fast and especially uh during the world cup um it just like took four or five days until the next game and then uh, i had the chance to to show the world and show my country and all the people that i really deserve to be on the team well, that's a good point. Um, that, it, that it's great you have a new game coming up, but how do you walk into that next game with like a fresh, clean slate and not this hanging over your head of like I gotta fix my mistake or I gotta make up for it? Like, or is that good for you? I guess that's kind of yeah. How do you how do you go into that next game mentally? I think back in the days, um, as I mentioned, it was my first World Cup. I wasn't that experienced. Um, today, with the mindset of today. I would have encountered it completely different because these days I really embrace setbacks. This is also one of, of my, you know, my statements that I that I developed for myself. Embrace setbacks because they they just they only make you better if you if you 
if you um, you know take the right action out of it. So you can either feel pity for yourself or you can learn from it, right? And uh, but during that time, it was definitely not easy, and I was still a little insecure. I hoped that uh, that I would do like an amazing job, but I was on the other hand, I was also confident because I knew that I prepared myself the best possible way. And in the end, it's it's not just in my hands; it's in also in God's hands if I if I play well or not. And sometimes the team is just better, uh, you know, as we are. So it's there are so many factors in life, but I knew that I have good people supporting me, uh, good friends, my family, my teammates. So I was covered actually, and uh, it it worked out well. And uh, I don't know. So we we ended up the World Cup uh, on the third position. So it was an amazing tournament, and everything uh, was great in the end. Actually, well, you actually, I was stalking your Instagram uh, the other day because I needed to get to know you a little bit for this, and I saw that you posted a picture of some of your medals that you've won, and you pointed out the one from the 2006 World Cup and said that one was kind of extra special to you. Why? Why is that? Because it was first of all my first World Cup, and that's amazing. It's huge, and uh, second. It also reminded me of like the ups and downs in sports, but also in life. Uh, I mentioned setbacks. I mentioned how to deal with that. So either feel pity or learn from that and get better. And um, yeah, and it wasn't. So we were located in Berlin. That's my city where I lived. So it was amazing weather. We had, we had a great outcome in the end. So it was just like amazing. But just to, to, to speak about um, the World Cups, actually, the first World Cup was more like if you, if you put like a headline over, over the World Cups, the first is like, okay, how to deal with pressure and how to survive the World Cup. And the second, it was pure joy because I learned a lot uh, throughout the time. And uh, as, I, as I said, I, I learned from my setbacks. And the, the second World Cup in South Africa, it was in 2010, I was able to just enjoy everything. It was it was whole different. That's cool. And, and you got third in South Africa, also, right? Yes, we we are, obviously we didn't make it all the way uh, to the top. It happened like four years later when I when I retired already because of a slip disc. Uh, but it was amazing, and I had a really good time. And third place is something very special. Now, 2012, you did come to the States. You said that had kind of always been a dream for you to come to the States and play. What, what brought you to Chicago Fire? And what was, I guess, the U.S. experience? How is that different from competing for Germany and professionally in Germany? Okay, that's a very good question. How did I end up in Chicago? So I, I told my agent I, I want to play in America because I, wanna, I want to live there. I want to experience life in America. And I told him, okay, it's either L.A. or, or New York. And then he said, Anna what about Chicago? I said, okay, I've never been to Chicago. never heard anything about Chicago. I think you should go to Chicago. It's an amazing city. So we started to talk to different, uh, to different clubs and Chicago Fire that really wanted to have me on, on their roster. So they invited me to, to fly over. Um, and so I, I boarded the airplane, went over to Chicago and Within one night, and I, I totally fell in love with the city. And uh, my coach back then, his name is Frank Lepaz. Uh, he's he's from Greece. He really wanted to have me on his on his team, and he he was so smart. He showed me around the city. You know, at, at night he brought me at the Hancock Tower, like I don't know, one hundred three floors or whatever stories high, and you know you you can oversee the whole city. I was just like amazed, and I said, okay, I've never seen a skyline like that. Okay, I want to go to Chicago, and uh, so that was actually the 
the the starting point of an amazing journey and um there are definitely some differences between germany and america actually a bunch of so the first is in germany you you play just like a regular season of uh, 34 games and in the end the team with the most uh, points you know they win the, the championship in america it's it's the playoff system so this was kind of new to me but also the media scenario actually so in germany Obviously, after every game, there's the chance for the media to ask questions and to interview players. Same in America, but in America, they're allowed to, to enter the locker room, right? So, and I really didn't know that. So, after my first game, I think we played against Houston in Chicago. I took a shower, you know, I was pretty relaxed and, you know, came back from the shower. And all of a sudden, there were media in our, in our locker room. I was shocked. And even women, female media, right? So, and I was like, <laughs> just like... I just covered my, you know, whatever, uh, with a towel. And I was like, okay, what, what is going on here? And said, well, it's just media. So that is <laughs> one of the biggest differences. And um, another one actually is like, you know, that I mentioned earlier, like the regular season and the, and the, and the playoff time, because you have to prepare completely different. Because um, especially when you, when you prepare for your season, in Germany, you, you work very hard. It's very physical, the preseason, because you really have to prepare for 34 games and you have to, you know, you have to be fit and uh, on point from the first game day on, right? Because in the end, it's just about winning games and making enough points. But in America, you just have to make it just like, uh, you know, until, you know, regular season, you just have to make it into the playoffs and then the whole crunch time starts, right? Because uh, then a new season starts over. So it's a little different how you prepare your body, how you prepare yourself mentally. I kind of like uh, the playoff scenario too because, um, you know, in the end it's more about after a certain amount of, of games and when the, when the playoff starts, still every team can win the championship, right? And here in Germany, it's all, you know, if you, if you don't have enough points after 10 or 15 games, then it's basically you can't win the championship. On the other hand, what I really like here in Germany is if you're like one one of the teams with you know one of the three last teams you go down to the second division right so there's a lot of pressure you have to deal with in america you, you can't go down in the second division so mm. if you play mls you play mls and even if you ended up last you you know next year you can you can still play in mls and you probably have the best drafts for the next year so there are a couple couple of differences and uh, you know every system has its sweet spots actually in my eyes yeah at Hope Sports, we know that you want to be the best athlete that you can be. And in order to do that, you train hard and dedicate yourself to performing at your peak. But sometimes it can feel monotonous. Every day has a similar routine and when you win, well, no victory feels as good as a loss feels bad. It doesn't have to be this way. We believe athletes can compete at their full potential and reach their dreams while feeling lasting satisfaction from their accomplishments. We understand what it's like when you've dedicated your life to something, but you feel like you're never living up to people's expectations and you don't feel satisfied with your achievements. Hundreds of athletes have told us that they've discovered how to compete at their best while finding lasting fulfillment in their achievements during our interactive international service trips. Our next trip is coming up June 7th through 10th in Rosarita, Mexico, and we want you to be there. It's so easy to get involved. Just go to hopesports.org Sign up for the June 7th through 10th home build and build hope for a family and win like never before. 
So sign up today. It could be the key you need to find success in your career. So, I mean, are you glad you came over? Like what kind of, I guess, having this new experience, I guess, what did that do for you? Is it more of uh, just just the experience or did you learn some stuff from that? Like what were your takeaways, I guess, from, from doing this different system in another country? So the first thing that I learned, I was really eager to learn the language. So I had my school language here and uh, I, I had a very good buddy. He's still one of my best friends in America. His name is Daniel. Uh, so and we always drove together to the stadium. And so it took us like 25 or 30 minutes to go to, to Bridgeview. It's outside of the city. And um, I really tried to learn the language because it was very important to me. And every day, if I, if I read something or I, I, I listened to a word that I've never, never heard before, I looked it up in my vocabulary or whatever. So I really tried to learn every day some of this and uh, new words. And I drove my, my friends so crazy because <laughs> I asked them every day a thousand questions. Okay, how can I put this word? And he said, ah, please spare me with this. So it's just like, and you don't need that. I said, yes, Danny, I need it. I need to learn, you know, words. Then, you know, we don't even use this word. I said, okay, then <laughs> whatever. I just want to learn, right? So, um, but from the first day on, I was just amazed by, by the beauty of the city and, uh, you know, the, the friendly people, you know, in Chicago, the people are very friendly, you know, they hold you the door and or get you the door. You have small talks in elevators. In Germany, it's like, I love Germany, but here it's a little bit more rough, right? So everything was new. Everything was exciting. Um, there wasn't pressure, you know, I, I really know what what pressure is about here in Germany so if you lose games then they really get after you the fans but in America if you lose they still you know they're still kind of happy and actually that's uh, something that I really had to get used to um, yeah it was just an amazing time with so many new experiences and uh, even on game day we, we started to play or sometimes we had game day uh, we, we had kickoff at 6 p.m. and um, you know I had basically the whole day uh, you know, for myself to do whatever I wish to. Here in Germany, when you play, you're, you're mostly one night before you're in a hotel with a team and you prepare like really, like very professional, you know, everybody has the same food and whatever, very focused. And there, I, I wasn't even able to, to go to the beach in the morning, which I sometimes did. And it, it just like felt like, like, like holiday and vacation to me compared to Germany. Well, that, that's a pretty cool way to like kind of end out your career, I would think, kind of this fun, different, yeah, kind of ending. So Yeah, but still, I was very competitive. So it's not like that I went, so I wanted to prove. I really wanted, actually that year, we made it to the playoffs, uh, which was like a huge uh, deal. And I was very, very driven to be successful. Um, but still, it's like, it's so different when we, when we talk about cultural things and uh, also the preparation before games. And it was kind of nice. That's very cool. Well, so what I know you mentioned you had some disc issues. Did you kind of know retirement was coming leading up to this point? Like, did you kind of know you were limited on time or did it all of a sudden just take you out? No, I just signed the, a one year contract. I was in a relationship back then. And uh, my ex-girlfriend, she, uh, she stayed in Germany. So for that reason, I just signed for one year because she wanted to still work here, which I totally understood. And, uh, but I didn't really expect, you know, any, any, any problems with my back. So I was kind of healed actually at this point. And then all of a sudden in preseason of the next season, it, you know, it started to, to bother me again. And then I had to make a decision. Mm. Was that tough for you? I mean, was it, 
Yeah. What t- take us through what that was like? I mean, because you're kind of forced into retirement. I, you know, sometimes when it's not on your own terms, it's a lot harder. And just dealing with retirement in general can be really difficult for an athlete at at your level. I, I had a very very severe slip disc, and uh, so people that that suffered slip disc, they they probably know what I'm talking about. I just wanted to to you know to get rid of my pain. I it was so bad. I just wanted to go back. I, I wanted. You know, even surgery, I, I would not recommend to, to get a surgery, actually. Obviously, there are some indications, but most of the time, surgeries are not necessary, and I would not recommend that. But at that time, I just said, okay, I just want to get rid of my pain, and even if it means I have to go back to Germany. And uh, on the other hand, if you're, if you're in pain, you definitely want to see your, your beloved people, you know, and as I mentioned earlier, I had my girlfriend here and my family, so I was just like, okay, maybe it's time to stop. Maybe it's time to retire. And then I made the decision to stop. And it was not easy because I really felt very comfortable and almost home in Chicago. But the time had come and I was very thankful that I was able to play professionally for around 12 years. And um, sometimes it's also good if, if, you know, a higher force of God or whatever you would call it uh, tells, okay, now it's time to, to let go and... Uh, you know, cold turkey, sometimes it's, it's also helpful. Yeah, the, the good and the bad. So what, what was the adjustment like for you after being done? Like, did you have a plan or were you kind of like, okay, what's next? Like, what, what, did, what did those next kind of days look like for you? Um, I was forced to lay on my back for the next five weeks. Ooh. So I couldn't move at all. I couldn't sit on the chair. Uh, I, took, I took, you know, medication. I was just like, I, I lost 16 pounds. So, because I couldn't move at all, and it, I was like in, in severe pain. So, for that reason, I didn't really think about anything uh, except, uh, you know, getting better again. So, I haven't had any plan. And um, before, as a soccer player, everything is scheduled. Your day is scheduled. You know what you're going to do. So, I really had to, after, you know, getting rid of my pain, I really had to reinvent myself. And I, I have good friends, and I have a very good mentor, and also my agent, he recommended to me, just like, try out everything right go out there and uh you need to you need to find your new sweet spot and uh, this is what i did and um it was kind of tough because when you when you're like always in the system waking up every day knowing what's going to happen next um you're kind of in your comfort zone right and then all of a sudden i had to plan my own days i had to find my my new purpose and uh, you know there was no competition anymore i haven't had my my teammates anymore. Everything changed. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, and that's hard. I mean, that's totally, I, I understand it. I've been through that too. I, it's how, how did you kind of figure that out? I mean, I know you said you've had a lot of great people in your life, mentors, family around you, which I think is huge, but what kind of things did you start trying? I mean, were you just kind of guessing and grabbing at straws or were people recommending things? Like what, what were you, what things were you trying to do to find this sweet spot? Okay, first I thought about, okay, soccer is what I, what I know about and what I do best. So why, why don't I just like try to, uh, to become a coach? So I passed my, 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 my coaching licenses until the a, UEFA A license. I worked one year as an assistant coach for our under 18th national team here in Germany, which was nice and amazing, but I figured, okay, that's not what I want to do actually. So uh, then I established my my foundation, the Anna Friedrich Foundation, um, and which is an amazing work to do, and it's also like very time demanding. Um, so this is what I what I still do. Obviously, I'm not coaching anymore, 
Then I, I became a partner of a, of, a, of a company called GFL Soccer Enterprises. Uh, it's two friends of mine. We, we established uh, that soccer school um, in 2012, something like that. And I became more more operating member there too. Um, I also work for, for a marketing company here in Germany. I wanted to figure that stuff out too, just only for a year. To, to figure out how, how this works. I became a mentor of players and a coach. And um, yeah, I, I also started to become a TV expert and analyst um, mm-hmm. for Fox Sports in America, also for Chinese media. So I covered the World Cups and the European Championships or like the World Cups for Chinese media, so which I still do today. So I, I really tried to, um, to find you know, what, what I like best. And um, until today, I, I didn't really commit to one particular thing because there's so many things that I like to do. So these days, basically, I'm, I'm mentoring um, and I'm doing TV expert uh, uh, covering. So and obviously, my I take care of my foundation. Well, I love it. I love that you tried so many things and found out that you love to do so many things. I think that's really cool. T- tell us about your foundation. Okay, the foundation is about uh, youth here in, in Germany. Um, we, we have two, two health programs right now. We take care of uh, children's hospices, which is like uh, yeah, a very, very tough thing to do. And um, we, we are about to, to launch something new, which I can't really explain right now because it's, it's not really set so far. Um, I'm supporting the, the, heart, uh, the heart hospital here in Germany too. Um, we have uh, one integrational program for um, for youth uh, at at Berlin schools. So we are trying to to integrate the, the refugees that came in into our country uh, with the, with the German kids. That's a very profound work, and uh, it's a lot of work to do here in our country. Obviously, we all have the same challenges uh, with refugees and how to integrate them. But I think it's a very very important uh, work because without integrating uh, new people coming to our country, we're going to have a problem. So uh, this is something that we do with our foundation too. So we have education, we have integration, and we have health programs. And um, it is so much fun and joy to, to, to work for something good, actually, meaningful, purposeful. And I, I, really, I really like that. I think that sounds fantastic. I love how many different things you do. And yeah, I'm definitely going to have to ask you later more about the integration. That that sounds really cool. So how did you kind of get involved with Hope Sports? Um, so I, I got to know um, Guy East actually a couple of years ago. And he told me about his, um, yeah, his project about uh, Hope Sports. And um, yeah, I was just like very excited about the idea of, of helping people and families in, in Mexico. He asked me to come over and to, to see and, and look at his work. And, you know, it was just in, incredibly amazing to see, honestly, not just like what they're building there, but also what happens to the families. And, um, you know, it was so, so amazing to see. And so, as you see, I can't really find words for that. It was one of the, the best experiences that I've ever made to, to see, you know, after finishing the house, passing on the, the keys to the family and seeing, you know, like adults crying their, their, their eyes out. It was so amazing. And I can just like uh, take my head off, uh, you know, to all these guys who are just like helping and working and doing good things. That's so cool. Did that change the way um, 
you, you went into your, your sport or like, were you still actively playing soccer when you did this or was this after you retired? No, I was retired already. Um, honestly, you know, as soon as, you know, as long as you're still playing, there's not, you know, that many time to, to fly to Mexico to do a home build, even if it's a nice idea. But, you know, I, I was playing for my, for my country too. I haven't really had like enough time to, to rest and to do that. But still, and I told uh, friends of mine about Hope, so Hope Sports and one of my friends, he even started his own, um, you know, home build in, in Moldova. So obviously you guys are a very, very good role model too. And I can just like recommend it to people to just like do something for other people and, you know, not receiving anything in return, but it's just like, it's, it's heart opening and, um, as I said, Guy and, and the whole family and all the guys are doing an amazing job. And I was very happy and very grateful for the opportunity to uh, attend uh, to these uh, kind of home builds. Now, and you, you mentioned to me right before we started recording that you have something special coming out really soon. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we're in a podcast right now. And um, I'm also um, having my own podcast. Um, it's, it's coming up soon. Probably uh, the first one starts in, in April. Uh, it's called From Done to Dare. And um, actually, I'm talking about... So it's all, also English, even if I'm native German. But I, I know so many interesting people around the world that I want to, to keep it in English. And uh, From Done to Dare is about, obviously, transition time or time of transition. How, how do you deal with that? So I have like very good athletes uh, that will be on my show. So how did they cope with that? But I also want to talk to to random people because we all face you know, at one point in our lives, the situation, okay, is it right what I'm going to do? So I do, do I need change? So I'm talking about comfort zone, leaving the comfort zone, about setbacks. So and this is something that I'm really passionate about because I love people. I love human beings. I love to learn from different uh, stories, from experiences. And I just want to, to offer people um, the same insights and experiences that I can make. And uh, that's something that I'm really looking forward to. Oh, it sounds fantastic. I'm excited. And we will make sure to link to that in our show notes. Arna, we are so excited that you came on. So thankful that you're here. You're so inspiring. I love your message. I love your encouragement and your wisdom that you have gained over the years. Thank you so much. You're welcome. It was a, it was a great joy, actually. Thank you so much for having me. Arna is such an awesome guy. I can't imagine playing a sport on such a huge stage and having to navigate trying to be authentic and do your best with the pressure of the world's expectations on your shoulders. And I love the work that Arna's involved with all over the world. He's really using his platform and influence to do amazing things. Be sure to tune in next week for our guest, Abby Dagnostino Cooper. If you don't recognize her name, maybe you'll remember this. Abby was part of the most beautiful moment of the 2016 Rio Games when she got tangled up with a competitor while running the 5,000 meters. Instead of continuing her race, she went back and helped the other runner, sparking a whole wave of good vibes for the other athletes there and a huge impact throughout the world. She encompasses sportsmanship and positivity, and I can't wait to share our conversation with you. I'm your host, Laura Wilkinson. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is produced by Evo Terra and Simpler Media. For more information on Hope Sports and to access the complete archives, please visit hopesports.org.